0: As we continue to actively support our clients in Israel and Gaza with charter air evacuations, ground moves, and also the deployment of an incident management team, we wanted to take this opportunity to look at the implications of the Israel-Hamas conflict for both the immediate surrounding countries and the wider region. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm James Wood and I'm a regional security director based in London. Joining me for this podcast is Paulina Vinogradova, our lead security analyst for Mashrek in Iran, based in our Dubai Security Center. Paulina has been heavily focused on monitoring the impact of the conflict and how it is shaping the risk environment in surrounding countries and the wider region. So, Paulina, first of all, could you please give us a an overview of your assessment on the broader region as as you currently see it in the work you've been doing? Sure. Thank you, James. So. To
1: highlight the broader impact of the developments in Israel, broadly speaking, the security environment across Middle East and North Africa region has remained largely stable since the escalation of hostilities since 7th of October. But there are some areas where we did see uh, an escalation of tensions. One of such areas is the border area between Lebanon and Israel. So pretty much since 7th of October, we started seeing exchanges of Cross-border hostilities, including gunfire and rocket attacks between Hezbollah, an armed group based in Lebanon, and Israeli Defense Forces. So thus far, these incidents have remained concentrated in the border areas of Lebanon and Israel. They haven't spread. There are casualties uh, from time to time reported among the parties involved, but these incidents have remained relatively contained despite the heavy mobilization on both sides. Apart from that border area, what we have been seeing is the um, demonstrations or pro-Palestinian rallies broadly across the world, but then more specifically in several countries across the MENA region, so Bahrain, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Morocco, Syria, Turkey, and Yemen. That's where we have been seeing gatherings, uh, rallies, sometimes quite well attended it's important to note that overall in each instance these demonstrations have been peaceful apart from that another trend that we are monitoring is the threat specifically to Israeli nationals and israeli interests across the region amid these developments amid the conflict in israel amid israeli counter-offensive in gaza what we have seen for instance in egypt on 8th of october a policeman opened fire to a group of tourists in alexandria Governorate. As a result, two Israeli nationals were killed and also one Egyptian national. This has been a related incident so far. We haven't seen similar such similar incidents across the region. But it does highlight the fact that amid the heightened tensions, there is this risk for Israeli nationals more broadly across the region. And then finally, we're also closely monitoring potential threats to U.S. interests across the region, and that has to do with the fact that U.S. has expressed its support for Israel in the context of the ongoing conflict. It has moved its ships closer to Israel in a show and demonstration of support, and it has been supplying Israel with ammunition. And in that context, it has prompted several pro-Iranian groups across the region, including Hezbollah in Lebanon, Houthis in uh, Yemen, and then Popular Mobilization Units in Iraq, to warn U.S. from involving itself any further in this ongoing conflict in Israel, because if U.S. does get more involved, then these groups have basically threatened to target U.S. interests
0: across the region. Thank you, Paulina, for that that overview of the the situation as we see it currently. Perhaps what we can do now is take a closer look at some of the the immediately surrounding countries and, and the implications on the risk environment for our clients. So Paulina, maybe let's start with Lebanon. Could you take us through some of the the key risk considerations as you see them currently?
1: So, as I've mentioned, the trends that we expect to continue in the coming days, or at least as long as there is hostilities and conflict developing in Israel, we expect to continue to see the tensions along the border between Israel and Lebanon. Now, regarding the intensity of these attacks and the scale, there is a trigger that we are closely monitoring that can prompt a flare-up of hostilities on the border, and and the trigger is if Israel launches a ground offensive into Gaza. Right now, there is no official confirmation, but we see that a lot of effort is planning that potential offensive, so the likelihood of it happening is actually quite high. So if it does happen, there are several scenarios what might happen. So we do anticipate some form of retaliation by Hezbollah in, in Lebanon against that that ground offensive, what we could see is the flare-up of cross-border attacks, spike in frequency in the number of rockets launched across the border into Israel. The extent of that escalation or flare-up will depend on the areas that Hezbollah plans to target. If it's just limited to the border areas, then probably Israel is also going to retaliate in kind, and we would see that still, although the intensity of these cross-border attacks is going to Spike, they are going to be limited more broadly in, this, in that border area. If Hezbollah tries to conduct attacks deeper into Israeli territory, and Hezbollah does have such capabilities, it's, it has quite a big arsenal that it could deploy against Israel. So, if the group tries to conduct attacks into deeper into Israeli territory, that that would be an escalation, and Israel is going to respond in kind, and that's where we're likely to see the attacks affecting areas beyond the border areas in Lebanon. And to that, we link our recommendations. So we right now say defer non-essential travel to the uh, South and Nabatieh government rates in the Southern Lebanon. And the reason to that is specifically tied to the considerations that I've just outlined. So defer non-essential travel to these two government rates until at least 16th of October. Workforce in the South and Nabatieh government rates currently located there should consider relocating further north, or alternatively is if they intend to stay, they should ensure access to secure accommodation with sufficient supplies to be able to stand fast for at least 72 hours, and of course, to have access to transportation to be able to leave on a short notice. And finally, we maintain our advice to defer all travel to areas within five miles or eight kilometers of the Israeli border, due to the fact that right now it's heavily, heavily militarized.
0: Thank you, Paulina, Perhaps now let's look to other countries immediately surrounding Israel and Gaza with with Jordan and Egypt. And certainly, as you know, Polina, we've been conducting some ground moves across from Israel into Jordan. How do you see the situation currently there and how do you see it developing?
1: Specifically for Jordan, right now the spillover of the conflict in Gaza, that risk remains low. Part of it, if, for instance, in a scenario where Uh, There is also a flare-up of hostilities in the West Bank, right? So there are armed groups there that have in the past engaged with the Israeli security forces, so there is a potential for a flare-up there. But if such flare-up occurs, then Israeli forces most likely, or they will put the, the area under lockdown, and Israeli forces have a have a very strong control over through checkpoints, through security presence. So any movement under lockdown from West Bank to Jordan is going to be very limited to none, especially if there is a if there is a blockade in case of the escalation of hostilities in the West Bank. So for Jordan, we haven't changed our invite advice. Travel to Jordan can continue with standard security precautions. And then for Egypt... Situation is somewhat similar. We also haven't changed our inbound advice for the country. The only impact that we have seen so far from the developments in the Gaza—it's bordering the area that we rate as an extreme risk environment in the north Sinai. rate. there have been some influx of people from Gaza Strip into Sinai, but it is, for one, it's very limited because Israel has maintained a lockdown. Uh, So very few people can actually get out. So in that sense, the direct impact from that influx of people, uh, limited as it is, on the broader uh, security environment in Egypt is quite limited. Uh, What is concerning is the shooting at um, Israeli nationals in Alexandria government that we saw on 8th of October. That is concerning. And it's part of our then regional advice uh, for Israeli nationals to exercise caution and keep low profile amid amid these tensions. But more broadly, for Egypt's security environment, we still maintain that for the medium-risk areas, such as Cairo, Alexandria, and major cities along the Nile River, the travel to these areas can continue with standard security precautions.
0: So we've taken a focus on some of the countries immediately surrounding Israel and Gaza. I think it would be useful for us to finish on looking at the broader region as well. Um, so maybe, Pauline, you can just talk us through some of the impacts of the events in, in Israel and Gaza and how you see them playing out in the region as well. So more broadly for the region, its
1: demonstrations, the risk of rallies, pro-Palestinian rallies and associated disruption, it's the risk posed to um, Israeli nationals and interests and risks posed to yes nationals and interests. Now, of course, that being said, Middle East and North Africa is a very, very big region. The security environment in countries across the region varies vastly. So I just want to to kind of go through these nuances a little bit. Uh, First of all, just focusing on the Gulf countries. The Gulf countries, their security environment is much more stable in general compared to the rest of the region. So that is why, for instance, When we're talking about pro-Palestinian demonstrations, we are unlikely to see any of those in this region. In many of these countries, the demonstrations are banned or there is very low tolerance to, to gatherings. We did see some rallies in Bahrain that were relatively low impact. So that on the one hand highlights that it's a more secure environment, but on the other hand, yes, still this kind of developments can take place to a limited extent risks posed to Israeli nationals or U.S. nationals or interests in this region also lower compared to the rest of the region, in the Gulf countries, I mean. Once again, that's, uh, that is thanks to the fact that their security environment is more stable than the rest of the MENA. And then I do want to caveat that despite that, for instance, taking Saudi Arabia as an example, we did see in Jeddah, uh, it's a city in southern saudi arabia june this year there was a shooting at us embassy so it resulted in one casualty the incident itself happened in the context of tensions around the burning of quran in sweden and denmark and this is just this shows that yes the security environment in these countries is more stable but there is a caveat one of attacks by sympathizers even in these countries can happen. The risk is low, but they can happen. That's something. And that is why um, it's important to kind of adhere to the advice that we give, ranging from the keeping the low profile to exercising caution near sensitive areas, such as U.S. embassy um, or U.S. interests or Israeli consulates of diplomatic missions, for instance, in UAE or Bahrain. So this is more broadly the situation in the Gulf region. And then speaking about the, the rest of the region, when it comes to attacks or risks that Israeli nationals or U.S. nationals can be exposed to, uh, once again, it varies also from country to country. In many of these countries, it's going to be risk of one-off attack by a sympathizer, something similar to what we saw in Egypt. Um, something more specific is the chance of that is higher in countries like Iraq or Syria where pro-Iranian groups have presence, they have the capabilities, they have the history of targeting, actively targeting U.S. interests in these countries. That's where we might see flare-ups. We haven't seen them this far. I think it's still dependent on what exactly the role U.S. will play in the ongoing developments in Israel. But that basically where we might see such incidents, where they're more likely to happen, let's put it this way. Taking all of that into account, we haven't changed our current advice for the countries in the region. So, if you consult our international SOS website, countries profiles website, inbound advice for countries across the region, it will remain the same. What we do recommend is for managers to ensure that their country-specific escalation planes are um, updated and tested separately it's worth also providing that information to uh, your workforce about the developments in the region about the potential risks and that they also just wherever they are that they adhere to common sense precautions such as avoiding gatherings even if they are peaceful exercising caution near u.s diplomatic interests or israeli diplomatic interests wherever they are located across the region
0: Thank you, Paulina, and thank you very much for your, your expert analysis and insights. I think it would be much appreciated. Well, that's all for now. You'll be able to access the latest information and updates on the situation in Israel and the Palestinian territories from our website, internationaliswess.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centers available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening, and goodbye.